sportsmanship, confidence building, positive attitude, learning from failure, and success. You'll find it all here. This is Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. This is Sports Psychology Today. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show. Each week we try to talk about topics on this show that are timely and newsworthy about the world of sports psychology. I've been in practice as a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area for 36 years. I've hosted a weekly radio show for the past 26 years, and now we're doing our podcast show every week. And we try to bring up topics on this show that we think will be of interest to you with interviews with different sports personalities from the world of sports about the mental side of sports. And today we're privileged to have with us former Major League All-Star pitcher Tom Gordon. I've known Tom since 1990. He held the Major League record for 54 consecutive saves back in the late 90s while pitching with the Boston Red Sox. He had a 20-year career in Major League Baseball, and he's the father of two professional baseball players. The oldest son, D. Gordon, plays second base for the Miami Marlins, and his younger son, Nicholas, is in the minor leagues with the Minnesota Twins. Tom is a very proud father of his kids, not just those two, but his other kids. But more importantly, he's a good person, and I've known him for a long time. And he's agreed to join us today to talk about several topics. So first of all, Tom, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Doc. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for joining us today and talking with us. You know, you and I have known each other a long time. We've worked together. We've talked about many topics together, about life and and your kids and my kids and just a lot of different things. And one of the things I've always respected about you is one of your priorities has always been to be a good parent. You have two sons playing professional baseball now. You had a stellar career. You had a, a major league record at 54 consecutive saves. You had one of the nastiest curveballs in baseball history, as you and I both know. But I think the most important thing that I've known about you is, is you have prided yourself on being a good parent and raising your kids, not just those two, but your other kids as well. And what I'd like to talk about with you today or a couple things. The pressures of being a professional athlete, the pressures of kids today in youth sports. There's a story this past week that came out in the Dallas Star-Telegram about a coach named Lale Esquivel, who has a 10-and-under baseball team where he recruits kids from all over the country to play in his team. And what I'd like to, what I'd like to find out from you, to, as we start off the show, do you think kids at 10 and under should be traveling cross-country to play on a professional baseball team at age 10? Yeah, well, absolutely not. I mean, I think that uh, this game right now has uh, many evils. And uh, in a lot of ways, you know, things get kind of pushed under the rug and things happen well before they get into uh, high school ball and even some college ball. I think, uh, you know, what we're seeing, the trends of tra- travel baseball, that these kids are now – competing at a very high level and uh, you know you get that that timely um, you know visit you get that timely game that you pitched in you get that timely home run in a game and there's 15 20 30 scouts and in some cases you go to other huge workouts and showcases and there could be up to you know 100 scouts so uh, it's it's about recognition recognition it's about having the, the better team the better organization and position for these scouts to come out recognize these kids got them as well as start ranking them the problem we're running into a lot of times is now the rankings are coming out for the kids at the age of eight and um you know of course these kids are being able to go on the internet see their rankings and that's a huge thing for them but it's also putting a lot of pressure 
uh, on the kids to do things that professional players and professional athletes, maybe even some high college kids should be doing. And that's trying to break radar guns and trying to, you know, throw the ball across the diamond as hard as they possibly can, you know, um, see how far they can actually hit the ball. The game how has gotten to a point where there's no fun in it. It's a business. And that's a problem for all of us, a problem for Major League Baseball, a problem for the colleges, also a problem for high schools and the kids. I mean, to see organizations uh, that fly kids in, to bring kids in just for the weekend series, you know, basically you're telling the other kids that's in the neighborhood or in that area that you're in that you're just not good enough to play for my team. This is a 10 and, this is a now, ten and under team that's doing this. Yeah. yeah, well, you know what? That's just the nature of the business, of the beast right now. And as much as I hate it and much as, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't feel that that's the right thing to be doing. Uh, and, and we know it's not the right thing to be doing. The bottom line is, you know, it's it's just a part of the evils that are there right now. I mean, until someone locks down that position and says, hey, you know what, this just can't be continue to happen. We're not watching um, kids that are uh, being, you know, sought after or ready for pro ball two years down the line. We're looking at kids that have still somewhere between seven and ten years before they're possibly professional baseball players and maybe even some college kids. So it's a problem, and it's a problem throughout our country. And, you know, Major League Baseball, like I said, uh, college baseball, uh, even high school rankings now, it's gotten to a point where you can go play at a high school and transfer when you're, you know, playing at this high school for football, but you want to go on the other side over here in a month or two and play at this high school baseball team because they're the championship team in the area. You can now transfer. That's a Florida law. I mean, so – we're now getting to a point where everything is about win, 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 and it's not about fun. Uh, so you, you try and try to still teach and instill in the kids to have fun in the game, but it's tough to do that now. You and I so many coaches and teams out there just taking advantage of it. You and I spent many years working together during your major league career. In fact, most of your career, we, we, from your second year with the Royals, we worked together. You held a record that existed for a long time, 54 consecutive saves. Not something that – really, I think only one other person's gotten more than that. That was Eric Gagne, if I'm correct. That's correct. You, we spent a lot of time working on the mental side of your game. And one of the things you and I talked about for years was having fun, enjoying the experience, and doing your best. We didn't talk about results. We talked about the process and the focus. And – if you recall, I had you right on the billiard cap one time. One game at a time, one inning at a time, one batter at a time, one pitch at a time. Keep it simple. Oh, yeah. I, I'll never forget that. And that, to me, played a major, a bigger part than the whole idea of just going to a pitcher's meeting or a pitcher and catcher's meeting and then now trying to figure out a strategy. You know, the first thing mentally that shocked my mind was I don't have to do one, but one thing right now, and that's just make this pitch. And to me, I have as, as I thought of that, it made it more understanding and it made it more um, easier to process. Instead of trying to think three pitches down the line, a lot of teams talk that. You know what, I'm setting the guy up, so I'm trying to think about this pitch to get to that pitch. That's very important. But right now for guys like myself and guys that are out there, and there's so, so many guys out there like me that could use sports psychology and what you do, Doc, um, that just don't understand the importance of it and how it can actually help mentally zoom you in, focus, help you to continue to compete, to understand where your abilities best fit, and understand the process of what it is from pitch to pitch, not five pitches and then ten pitches and then 15, because what happens there is 
you either tend to forget what you're trying to accomplish, you, you tend to forget the things that makes the difference, and now all of a sudden you get so far ahead of yourself and think but bad things happen. Instead of, you know, like I said, that was a very important part for me because when I started thinking one pitch, it felt like, man, I could throw one pitch all day because now I need to make sure that I stay relaxed, I'm under control, and I allow myself the best possible uh, chances to throw that just that pitch, and that pitch usually was a strike. And see, I think that whole philosophy was about focusing on the process, not on the results. And if we translate that to youth sports today in these situations that we, we started talking about at the beginning of our interview, you have youth sport coaches at younger and younger ages today that are all in it to win. It's about the notoriety. It's about their egos. And you get parents who get their kids on these teams because yeah. of their egos. Right? Do you yeah. agree? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that's what it's about. It's only about that right now. Whether you want to believe that the kid's still having fun and uh, maybe the coach doesn't see it that way. If there's just so many different evils, like I said, in the game right now to where it's tough to really understand who has the interest of the kid. Um, you know, we look at also how we're having so many – uh, kids have, you know, arm issues and arm surgeries. And the process, the, you know, families that have not gone through that, it is absolutely a hard thing for any kid to even deal with or have to, down the line, understand. So for these coaches to want the kid that throws the hardest, you know, it tells the kid that can pitch and has pitchability that I don't need you right now. I need the guy that throws hard. Well, maybe that guy with the pitchability and understand where his best you know, he's best suited as a pitcher, makes it someday into high college, Division One college baseball and on the pro ball and watching that guy on television because he understood the process. He was willing to take it steps, 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 and allow those steps to make him a stronger, momentum, more focused person and allow him to use his skill set down the line. As of, we're losing so many kids today, Doc. We're losing so many kids that have now – uh, thought that the best way to get into professional sports and to get to the big, the big, con uh, the big uh, Division One schools is to make sure that I throw harder than the other kids, to make sure I hit it farther than the other kids, because this is what is being told that's the important thing today. It's not whether or not we can just, you know, physically be a little bit mentally strong. We can actually now um, scout as well as see and project what a kid can be because of his character and his heart and how determined he is to be a player. We're not looking at it where they're not looking at any of that. And what it's caused is so many kids to think just one way. If I can throw it harder than you, I have a better shot. If I can hit it further than you, I have a better shot. And that's the nature of the beast right now. Let me ask you a couple of questions here, Tom. You, you played Major League Baseball for 20 years. You have two sons who are playing professional baseball. Your older son, D, is a, an all-star himself in his own right. He won the batting title, stolen base title, gold glove, and an all-star second baseman two years ago at the Marlins. Your youngest son, Nick, was the first high school player drafted a couple years ago in the Major League Draft and plays with the Twins Minor Leagues. All right, you played football and baseball growing up. I assume you played basketball, too. You played, played, played a bunch of different sports growing up in Avon Park, Florida, did you not? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. When did you decide baseball was what you wanted to do? Well, as a kid, you know, I, I've always thought that most kids, even when you're playing, whatever sport you're playing, and you're now starting to see the talents that's playing around you. As you get better, you try to play with a little bit better talent. For me, I recognize that I've had so much love for, the base, for baseball at about 11 or 12. I mean, which I understood baseball at 8 or 9 and I loved to play it. But I was also wanting to play 
Peewee League football. I was wanting to be around the kids playing basketball. And eventually, right around the age of 12, 11, 12, maybe 13, you know, I start believing that maybe I can get a little bit better. And I think I have a better feel for baseball. So, you know, I gave myself the best options. And how was that? I made sure that I continued to work hard. I continued to believe that maybe there's an opportunity for me down the line if I continue to work hard and trust my abilities to play. So as I continue to get better at baseball, I also I still did not stop playing football, which a game a game that I love very much. I believe that I still had the ability in a lot of ways to possibly even go into college ball. Well, but as many and many yeah, people really, don't know, many people don't know you had an opportunity to go play at Oklahoma State, be a running back there. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, and I, like I said, I enjoyed football. I loved it. I had a great time in it. But I just wanted for myself to prove that to me because it was the game that I believed that I loved so much more than even football or any other sport that I wanted to be the very best I could at it. I knew that it was going to take a lot of work, dedication, heart, and uh, and heart, but I also was willing to apply that. And I think all kids get to that point. All of us get to that. But I still believe in the three-sport, three five-sport, six-sport method. If you still have the desire to play soccer, then you should play it. If you still have the desire to play basketball or football, hockey, then you should play it. Because eventually, one of those sports is going to be the sport that you love the most. And if you haven't made that decision yet, you're actually going through uh, workouts with that and training and practices with that. And you think about the kids that have already made their their decision on one sport. They're probably getting more work than you. But I think it's about the fun of being a kid and competing. Haven't we taken – let, let me ask this question. Ha, do you think we've taken fun out of youth sports? Absolutely. And why do you think that? Absolutely. I think because what's now being um, you know, predetermined at the ages of 8, 9, and 10, and that's rankings, and that's uh, there's an opportunity for you to be committed by the age of 14, 12, 13, 14 to a college and the prestige of that. You know, uh, kids are so excited about the whole idea of being, you know, committed to the University of Florida or University of Kansas and these Kansas, these big universities now because it sounds good and great. Um, but that's the whole thing. That's the process that we we're actually seeing that's a part of the negative that comes with it because when you commit a kid that soon and that kid now believes he's, he's you know, could be committed early and that early, then it, eventually by the time he turns 14 or 15, Either he does better, so now he'd be sought after by pro ball, or we lose him there. And I think we're seeing more trends of losing kids because the the huge amount of commitments now just kind of get kids at a stalemate where they think, oh, wow, I got it. And the kids that are really striving are the ones that didn't actually get that opportunity up front to commit so early, and they're now trying to figure out how can I get become that guy. It's, it's an evil thing. It's a thing that's happening in sports all over. And the ranking of so many young kids have actually messed these kids up and messed their families up, parents up to a point where it's all about the rankings. If you don't do your job to go and get ranked, and you're not doing the job out there, you're not playing great. I've heard parents say that. Well, it's about you, you getting ranked and getting a better ranking than this kid over here that's the first baseman. Because if you don't get that ranking as a kid at the first baseman, you're not one of the top ten first basemen, then you're just not a good player. And now we're not going to get that opportunity to sign with uh, God knows who, because that's what we're more concerned about than we are being concerned about the, the fun that's in the game. That's why we have coaches out there that are bringing kids from all over the world. <laughs> They're not just bringing kids from all over the country. 
they're bringing them from all over the world. I played my, my little travel team I had a couple of years ago. We go into Atlanta, and we're ranked like number 200 uh, out of 250 teams. And, man, we, we, we're out there playing a team that came from, um, I think they came from Puerto Rico, but there were also kids from Venezuela. There were kids from Mexico. There were kids from the Dominican Republic. And this is a good thing once they get to a certain age and compete and travel and be on a, uh, uh, a competition-level team to get these kids sought out for college, uh, as for college recruits, as well as into pro ball, but not at the age of uh, my ch- my team was uh, between nine and twelve. But that's what we're absolutely facing right now: is that these these folks are being, you know, the pressure's being put on them to find good travel teams and, and teams that they can actually go out there and get all the scouts to come and watch. So their 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 program looks so great. Um, and the kids are exposed to that, so they want to be a part of what they have going on. It's just the evil that's there right now. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and I'm interviewing three-time All-Star pitcher Tom Gordon, the father of two professional baseball players as well, the former holder of the Major League record for with 54 consecutive saves, a record only one person has surpassed. So uh, he, he's in a unique category in, in the statistics and the results of his 20-year Major League career. And he's bringing up some great points here. And, Tom, let me ask this question. What's your definition of winning? And where does winning, at what age, should it become important for kids? My definition of winning is having um, the right attitude, keep your emotions in check, and preparation. I, I use those three because I think those are the three things that you control. A lot of times when you win, you win within. You know, I've gone to games and watched kids, you know, didn't get a hit. But for me, he had fun and he played well. And he, you know, um, there were things that I could help him see down the line that made me great for him. And then, you know, you go to him and you say, well, son, you did a heck of a job. To me, that's a win. I mean, sometimes the, the, the W is explained by the W-I-N. And in a lot of ways, that's just win, baby, win. But guess what? Sometimes you have to go to a kid and say, you did a really good job. And for me, you're one of my. You, you played well. What age should What age should winning in terms of the score and the results become important? I, you know, I think that has to happen down the line when you become, you know, eighteen, twenty years old. Because in college, of course, you want to be able to have wins and losses on your record, but you also want to be able to, you know, put yourself in position to go to that next stage. It, it's all about pro ball, and it's all about being able to make that transition from college, high school, college, into pro ball, and now it becomes about wins and losses. You know, as I said, coaches and scouts and even college coaches in a lot of ways take wins as this is a necessity. You know, it's not about the fun of it no more. It's not about um, loving the game. It's about what could you give me to help today, us win this ball game, and then we achieve our goals. So when, you know, the fun of being a win, the fun of having a be a winner should be instilled in our kids once they're growing up. And that starts at home. You know, as me as a parent, I got boys that's playing. I have to take out a multitude of time, all the time, and know who I'm dealing with enough to say, hey, you did a really good job today. And to me, to them, they knew I won today. I played well, I won, and that was fun. If When they weren't having fun on the game, I can tell them. When they're not having fun in pro ball and I'm watching them on television, I can tell them. So I never want to take the fun and the love of the game away from them or out of that. 
it has to be the most important thing, fun first. You know, I, as a team, when you start thinking about one individual and you're trying to make sure he feels good or they feel good about their success today, then now it's just about whether or not that person did well enough for your team to win. Sports, and that's where we go wrong a lot of times. Sports specialization has become a big topic today, and kids are specializing at younger and younger ages in individual sports. Both of your sons are playing professional baseball. Your oldest son, D, is is an all-star and a batting champion, stolen base champion, obviously has a lot of physical skills. But baseball wasn't his favorite sport in high school, was it? No, it wasn't at all. Basketball was. Um, and to this day, he still feels that he can play, which is good because, you know, that was something that I would never want to take from him, is that, you know, you need to be a baseball player because I was a baseball player. That, to me, is... Um, you know, parents still want to live out the game through their child. Let me let me interrupt you here because because I think this is a real important issue that for a lot of people who are listening today. You know, you 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 are an all star. Your your oldest son is now an all star, and I'm sure your young your younger son was just named to the double A all star team. So they're both all stars. But you didn't tell them to play baseball. You didn't tell them to become a major league baseball professional baseball player, did you? No, I didn't. What did you tell I, them? And I did. I didn't, only because I told him that's the importance of, you know, having fun and then loving what you do. It was more important. It was more important for them to understand that they didn't have to have the pressure on them to try to do the things that I was able to do, because in sports, you know, dad does something really good. The kid now gets an opportunity to do it. The pressure is that much more greater. A lot of times, our, us as parents needs to understand where our kids are physically, mentally. And it allows us to push them a little more, to nudge them a little more on. Because some kids get to that point where, you know, they want to be pushed a little bit. They want more ground balls. They want to take more jump shots. They want to go out and see if they can run, you know, uh, routes in football. So you give them a little more as they continue to mature a little bit more and they physically get a little stronger. But a lot of times I've seen, and I've seen this so often, I see this all the time. It's the worst thing in the world because – what happens is a parent that's trying to live out the game through their child, they had their dreams and hopes to become a major league baseball player. And now since something happened along the way with them, they are really as hard and as rough and as, as um, what word I want to use, um, as determined to make this kid get it at, the, at such an early age. I think it gets that kid, um, you know, it, it forces them to not want to do it. It almost takes away from the passion and love from the kid compared to, hey, I support you, I love you, just go out there and have fun. You'll get to that point. You'll get to the age where you'll totally take whatever sport it is serious, and we have to take it to another phase or another level. But now, you know, it's just so, you know, negative to where it's just like today parents in a lot of ways just feel like, hey, you know what, if I don't take control of my kid's career and try to help them to get to the best place, chances are they won't. We have lost the whole idea of that fun should be in all sports, whatever these kids decide to do. And as parents, we've also lost a lot of this of, hey, you know what? Once the fun comes out of it, we've stopped telling the kids that they're not now probably going to play or stay in it that long because the fun has come out of it. That's what it's all about is being able to still talk about the importance of it. I I never wanted my kids to feel like they had to have the pressure on them to play because – the important for me to play and why I play is because I love the game. But if they didn't love the game, then I was never going to push it on them. Of course I was hoping that they would eventually play it, and they came around to that. That's why I was grateful that even with my oldest son, he didn't love baseball at all. I mean, I could barely get him to become 
uh, come to the ballpark and be a bad boy. And all most kids think that being a bad boy is a prestigious thing. But for him, you know, he just didn't have that desire to be a baseball player. And, of course, he came back around and decided he wanted to play. And my whole, my, my whole process with him was if you have fun and you determine to be the best, then I'll help you in every way be that. But it got to be up to you, and I will not push this on you. Your son obviously has had some issues as you know, at the professional level. What is the biggest lesson, the most important lesson he's learned now to this, this date? Well, I tell you, you know, one thing I've always told him is his, is his character is not in line, and he's not you know, doing the things that he promised to do. He can't keep his word or he, you know, shying away from the things that are really important for himself down the line, his family, and then his team. And, you know, everything he does with those guys would just be, you know, something that just kind of went through like the, like the dust in the wind. You want to set a really good example for your teammates to just kind of live on as well as to give them to say, hey, you know what, I, I did a good job. That guy, D. Gordon, Tom Gordon, Nick Gordon, your son's doc, they, they did a great job. And that's what you want more than anything is for you to leave a legacy with your teammates and the people that you were around every day. Because it, it, it's, it's true. It's one thing true about professional sports. Those guys in that clubhouse do become your family eventually. And you want them to appreciate how you go about it every day. You know, Tom, this has been a great interview this morning. I'd like to wrap it up with this question for you. Give us your, your opinions on success and failure. And tell our listeners where those issues become important in life. Yeah. Well, success, like I said, it, success is all around us. And, you know, if a guy, if a kid wants to be a, for me, a doctor, a lawyer, a um, psychologist, a teacher, success is everywhere. And you don't just have to play sports to be successful. You have to know when it's time to be successful and be a professional at what it is you're trying to become. And the greatest thing about that is when you know in your heart of hearts that you are a teacher dedicated to teach, loyal to the love of teaching and giving back to the kids and the communities that you are, right there, that's a successful person. For me, teachers, for me, doctors and a lot of lawyers and people that makes the world go around, uh, policemen, they don't get enough credit. Policemen of this world don't get enough credit. Um, the armed forces, to me, they, they don't get enough credit, whether we – yeah, you know, you see it stuff all over the world about thanking people, but at the same time, man, there's a lot of freedoms that we have because of our armed forces and the people that are successful in this world. You know, people look to sports to say, oh, that guy makes a lot of money. And let me give it to you straight, Doc. You know how much I appreciate our conversations, and we've been friends now for 30 years. I said the most important thing we have is our friendship and our love for each other to be able to say, tell each other the truth. And that's what I love about what we do. If we're successful in our own ways, and we're successful around the people that love us the most. And that's why success is not just for you, but it's for your family, your generations, and the people that are around you. And they will they will say how they appreciated the things that you did. And I appreciate that very much, what you're saying there. And, and tell us how failure fits into that and what we learn from failure. Well, you know, when you start losing kids, because in a lot of ways the kids get deterred from the sports that they love because it's all about finding the best team. Let's say I got a team here, <clears throat> and I'm here in the Orlando area, and I got a team here in the Orlando area, and there's kids, tons of kids everywhere that wants to play for my team, but I chose to go throughout the world, chosen kids and picking kids, bring kids in, you know, just basically saying, hey, you can play for me because you do this, 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 and this great, and I'm not really 
teaching the game. I'm actually now putting this game in the position to just be about the scouting and the, you know, the pro ball, the elite. And it takes away from the community. And now it takes away from the love and the fun of what it is that I was supposed to be sought after anyways. And that's to teach kids how to play. So there's a lot of times the fun come out because the parents get to a point and all of us get to a point. Everybody that has, you know, that MLB logo on their name, they're out there for the major league scout, the team, the major league player. And just maybe, just maybe, we've actually hurt someone else desire to be great because we've told them they're too short. I was that guy. I was told by 28 Major League Baseball teams that I couldn't pitch for them because I was too short. And it really bothered me dearly. But in a lot of ways, where I come from and what my parents instilled in me to just go out there and have fun and be great at what I do also pushed me. And it made me the player I was because I believed in my heart of hearts that every organization that said I couldn't play for them because I was too short eventually was going to want me to play for them. And I made that one dream come true. Because the New York Yankees were the organization that said, you could not play for me because you're under six feet. I'm 5'9". I couldn't pay for them if I was 5'11", almost six feet. Well, you ended up up playing for them for several years in the end. And I ended up playing for them, and they asked me to come back for three more years. So that just goes to tell you, a lot of times, you know, we see a kid, and and these coaches and scouts, they look at a kid, and they want to predetermine what that kid abilities can be and skill set can be. But it's that kid a lot of times that's sitting right beside you with the desire to be to work his butt off, the, the, the desire to be a good student, the desire to be a high-character kid at home and in the community, is willing to do the little extras to even earn a spot on your team, and you don't know it. Well, you've just validated, so, I think, a lot of the things we've just talked about today uh, about why you were successful, why your kids are successful. It's not about not about this, your physical size. It's about the size of your heart and what's inside you. Tom Gordon. Three-time All-Star, former Major League record holder, 54 consecutive saves. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a great interview, great points, great advice for parents and coaches out there. I want to thank you again for being with me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Today, and you can listen to this interview and many others on winnersunlimited.com. You've been listening to Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Find out more at winnersunlimited.com.